This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox, and in just a few moments, we'll meet Paul Terrier, president and CEO of Haystacks Financial, who's here to talk to us this afternoon about mortgages. Paul says mortgages are confusing. Getting one shouldn't be, and he'll, he'll tell us why shortly. But first, here are some more of the week's top consumer stories, and we've reported on this many times on this program, and this week again, BC Hydro issued a warning about scammers and fraud artists who have cost BCers close to 50 grand last year and who appear to be ramping up their activities and here's how. The scams include fraudsters contacting customers by phone, email or text and threatening immediate disconnection of power if a payment is not made. Well, everybody wants power, so customers are then asked to purchase prepaid cash or credit cards or to deposit money in a Bitcoin ATM or risk losing that power. Should the fraudster receive the credit card information or Bitcoin currency, the customer is usually out hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. BC Hydro reminded us uh, this week of this. The company never collects bank or credit card information by phone, mail, or text. BC Hydro does not accept payment by prepaid cash, credit card, or Bitcoin. And finally, if you get one of these scam phone calls demanding money and threatening to cut off your power now, hang up and then call BC Hydro immediately. Canada's Interim Competition Commissioner is urging British Columbia to change its liquor policy to allow more competition, spark innovation, and maybe even lower those prices. Matthew Boswell is his name, and he wrote in an open letter to David Eby, the Attorney General of BC, the province's current policy restricts competition, raises consumer prices, and limits access to specialty products. BC requires restaurants, bars, and hotels to buy booze at retail prices from government-owned stores. Boswell says he supports recommendations that hospitality providers should be able to buy alcohol products from any licensed source in the province, including private retailers, and they should pay a proper wholesale price. Those two recommendations were made in a report last April, commissioned by the government of B.C. as part of its ongoing review of provincial liquor policy. Boswell, the competition commissioner who applauds B.C.'s efforts to review its policy says those changes would encourage more competition and lead to more choice for us consumers and possibly lower prices. So we've had the study and the consumer has rung in. So what do you think the chances are the NDP will hold off until just before the next election to make this popular, obvious change? Wait for it. A nationwide recall has been issued over a number of RX bar protein bars. They include blueberry, rather, chocolate sea salt and coconut chocolate protein bars. The RX bar protein bars, recognizable with their minimalistic branding and written ingredients, are being recalled because they may contain peanuts. The bars are sold Canada-wide and also available through online sales as well as in a number of physical retailers. Those with an 
allergy to peanuts should not consume the products. Health Canada is recommending those recall products be thrown out or returned to the point of purchase. So far, no reported reactions associated with the consumption of RX bar protein bars. And hats off to the Pit Pub at UBC. This coming Wednesday, the 23rd, will be the 50th anniversary of the Pit Pub opening its on-campus doors back in the 60s when the minister responsible for post-secondary education declared beer on campus is unconducive to learning. Well, many faculty members, along with the Alma Mater Society, society rather, disagreed and applied for and received a liquor license. Many a celebration has occurred at the Pit Pub over the years, and this Wednesday at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, there will be the unveiling of a new mural honoring the anniversary at the student nest, followed, one would expect, by the quaffing of more than a few ales. Those are some more of the week's top consumer stories. We'll look at a few more later in the hour. As well. Coming right up is Paul Terria. The folks from Haystacks Financial will join us right here on Vancouver Consumer. Keep it right on 980 CKNW. And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer this cloudy Saturday afternoon. I'm Sterling Fox, joined in studio by Paul Therrien, who is the president and CEO of Haystacks Financial. Paul, welcome to Vancouver Consumer. It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too, Sterling. Tell us a little bit about, now I've used your line already many times, right here, haystacksmortgage.ca is the website, friends. If you want to zip over and check it out while we're talking over the next hour, Haystacks, Haystacks with an X. Yes. H-A-Y-S-T-A-X. HaystacksMortgage.ca, but the big the big quote that I've been already using it's yours uh, all afternoon is mortgages are complicated. Getting one shouldn't be. Why are mortgages so blinking complicated, Paul? Well, <laughs> that's a big question. Um, mortgages are complicated lending transactions, and so the charge terms, as they're called, that are registered on title are you know sometimes two hundred pages long. Um, because they're very, you know, you're registering against property, they're securing on the title right. to the property, you're still living in it. So they become complicated charges. Uh, the Canadian government, uh, the taxpayer really, were insuring or backing almost oh, 98. CMHC, of course, yeah. CMHC, Genworth and Canada Guarantee all receive backing from the government or the taxpayer. So we're insuring or guaranteeing those mortgages. So if it goes south, the lender can claim the loss against, you know, and the taxpayer pays it. So, and the property market is complicated. There's a lot of different properties. You've got, you know, condos with, um, you know, strata payments, Mm -hmm. detached homes, you know, leasehold land, all of these things. So, and of course, there's a mortgage for every condition and circumstance, isn't there? Absolutely. Right. I mean, you know, if you look at the registered the A lenders or the banks and credit unions and that, and you go right down to, you know, the mom and pop private lenders, there's over 400 lenders in Canada sure. where you can get a mortgage. So it's complicated for the average consumer. And so our we want to simplify the process of getting the mortgage because, you know, the transaction's complicated. But understanding what's happening in that shouldn't be. It okay. needs to be explained in plain language. Tell us a little bit about your company. It's a relatively new company, Haystacks Financial or Haystacks Mortgage. Uh, and you've been in the financial services industry for close to 30 years. You're a veteran of, of this and all over BC. You've been up in the Yukon for a little bit. But you've been at financial services and in the industry for a very long time. Why did you decide to take it uh, private or independent and strike out on your own with your small team? Well, 
We believe that Canadians deserve to have the power of choice in their hand. And what we see happening in the overall mortgage industry today is that, you know, there is, there's choice, but it's really up to the consumer to go out there and, and research and hunt down, you know, what do I qualify for? Do I go to my bank? Do I, you know, if I deal with a broker, how do I do this? And typically, you know, and, and, I'm going to do a caveat here. Not everybody falls in. I'm going to do, you know, I'm lumping everybody into one group and that doesn't necessarily apply. Right. But on average, on average, if you go to, if you walk into the Royal Bank or CIBC or whomever, you, they're only going to sell you their product. Of course. Right. So, and if you go to a mortgage broker, um, you know, the mortgage broker shops for you. Right. But when they come to you with an approval, they're coming with one. They're saying, you know, we got you approved with this lender and this is what you qualify for. We believe that the consumer deserves to have power of choice. And so by going to the, what we do with through our technology is we say to the consumer, you qualify for a mortgage with lender A, B, and C. Um, we think that A is the best for you based on your short and long-term goals. Okay. However, here's two other options for you. And they would be costed in approximately the same ballpark kind of thing, right? So they would be competitive within a few dollars of each other. Absolutely. Okay, so then it would be terms and conditions after that, whichever one is most ideal for the consumer at that moment. Yeah, whichever. And, you know, it's very important to look at short and long-term goals. You know, if if it's a newlywed couple and they're buying a one-bedroom condo, but they're planning on starting a family in, say, two years... Excuse me. They're going to want to upgrade at some point to a two-bedroom condo or a house. So we want to ensure that their mortgage is portable and all of that kind of stuff. What are the prepayment clauses? Um, you know, there are tricks that you can do. I shouldn't call them tricks. There are things that you can do to pay your mortgage off faster. Right. And, and and things that the banks aren't necessarily keen to tell you about. They'll certainly honor the conditions, but they're not about to tell you how you can, can um, make them earn less money. Oh, they'll they'll so. let you pay your mortgage off uh, if you know how to do it, but they're not going to say, and you know, you can you can uh, uh, help us not make X number of thousand dollars by paying your mortgage early. They're not going to tell you that, are they? Of course not. <laughs> so all of this comes down to the individual consumer. You're, and let's, 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 let's just talk about Vancouver, the most expensive real estate market, not just in Canada, in North America, for crying out loud, one of the top five in the world. Okay, that's what we, that's our day-to-day reality. So to buy into the Vancouver market, where there is no such thing as a condo for under half a million dollars in the city. So everything costs just absurd money, Paul. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I want to talk about the stress test because that's the latest wrinkle in the plot in terms of particularly first time buyers getting access to the marketplace. Yeah. Now, just for clarity, the stress test has actually been around for about three years. Yep. So it's not a new, you know, um, but it took a while to impact on the marketplace, didn't it? It did. And the, the thought or the logic behind implementing the stress test is, you know, I've been doing this now 28 years. And when I started in 1991, we were, uh, I worked for a company called Avco Finance. Oh, I remember those guys, sure. You know, they're gone now, but um, in their heyday, they were worldwide huge. And we were lending more, we were doing mortgages at, you know, 27, 28% because Mm -hmm. the banks were at 15, 16, 17%. but the historical average for mortgage rates in Canada is 6%. Okay. So for the last, um, let's call it decade and a half, 15, 
almost 20 years, we've seen very, very low rates. We're under, you know, and, and it's not, it's 10 years. The last 10 years were consistently below 5%. Yes. So the challenge um, is our rates are low because the government has been artificially suppressing rates um, to stimulate the economy. Sure, you bet. There's consequences for that. Stimulating the economy means more people buying homes. They get more expensive. We're seeing, you know, we saw in Vancouver 30 up to upwards of 40% price increases in a 12-month period. Yep. Um, and the concern that the government has is that people are borrowing beyond their means. So I qualify at 2.5%, but what happens if rates go up by 1%? Too many people would be unable to meet their payment obligation. Right, sure. So the logic behind the stress test is to stay. We know that rates are going to go up at some point. Um, As they did in Canada three times last year. Absolutely. And are likely probably at least twice in 2019 to go up again. Yeah. So they want to ensure that, you know, they're protecting the taxpayer and protecting the consumer. Now, you know, so it's kind of like, you know, when you do something good for your child, you do it because you're protecting their child, but it's your own perspective looking at it. So uh, the intention behind it is good. Um is it having a negative impact on the consumer? Yes. Are there other things that the government could do? Probably there is. Um, I'm not in a politician. I'm not the prime minister. Sure. So I don't see things from that you know level. But I think that there are a lot of opportunities to do things differently for the consumer so that housing can be more affordable. Um, let, let me, let me uh, pose a, a, a scenario to you. And this, I'm sure you're the mortgage guy. You're the pro here in this conversation. I'm sure you've heard this kind of scenario hundreds, if not more, times. Young, first-time home buyers. They go out. They're professional people. They get good jobs. They get qualified, and, and they apply, and they get, uh, they get a mortgage. They get approved for X. Mm-hmm. Uh, the property they want. Then they've got some savings of their own, so that X plus cash. Mm-hmm. So now they're still, however, anywhere from one to 200,000 below because of the stress test. Now you, you have to, it, it's, you, you get approved for less. Mm-hmm. So there's this gap between the amount you get approved for plus whatever cash you're able to raise and the actual price of the property you want to buy. And I know the, uh, the overburdened bank of mom and dad gets leaned on a lot. Is that the route most people go? What other options are available to first-time buyers to make up that gap space that they, they otherwise are just not going to be able to get into the game with? Well, most first-time buy, first-time home buyers today are using the bank of mom and dad. Right. And, you know, that's been shown statistically across the country. Um, but it's, that's not new. And that's, you know, it's more highlighted now because of the stress test and because of the property market, but it's not a new thing. Um, well, parents have been giving their, helping their kids get that first house and all, since houses have been built, I'm sure. Absolutely. So the there's stress, more dollars involved these days, Paul. There's a lot more dollars. Yeah. I mean, the challenge that we've got, particularly in Vancouver, is that the cost of living, particularly the cost of housing, keeps escalating at, you know, abnormally high rates. Um, but our incomes aren't, you know, um, and that's a challenge. So are there options for those, uh, those first time home buyers? Sure. There are, I mean, they can look at a property that fits their needs. They've got to go into a different area, which is, you know, just a quick story. You know, when my mom and dad bought their first house, I think they paid, you know, 25 or $30,000 for it in the sixties. And that was a lot of money back then. Um, I, if I remember correctly, my mom told me that my dad, who made very good money back then, was paid $5,000 a year. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, it was comparable and they couldn't buy the home they wanted. They had to buy a fixer upper, all that kind of stuff. So it's been a standard challenge. The difference now is that, you know, 5,000 into 30,000, you had your percentage of income to the amount of mortgage was much higher back then. Now there's a huge discrepancy. Um, it's, it's a tough question, you know, and every person's situation is different. Um, is there a rule with banks and other lenders, Paul, that disallow third-party lenders? For example, the bank says you're approved for this, you got a little bit of cash, but you're still short a hundred grand. So you go out, you try and find some finance company like the one you used to work for, mm-hmm. which is no longer in business. But you try and find some a third lender like that. Do the banks object to having another institution on title? Is that a problem? It is. Um, so there are a lot of lenders that won't allow a second mortgage or a charge behind their first charge, and that does create issues. The other issue is even those second, um, those secondary lenders, they're going to restrict the amount of loan to value. So let's say it's a million dollar home, the bank uh, is going to you qualify for say a, an eight hundred thousand dollar mortgage. Right. You only have fifty thousand down. Right. Um, so, you know, you're, you're short 150 K, you know, so all of a sudden you're at 95% loan to value. And a lot of those secondary lenders won't go to that loan to value. I see. So, you know, <laughs> there's no easy answer. Unfortunately, you know, I wish, I wish I could just, you know, pull out an easy answer for people, but I think this is why having consultation is so important and right. making sure that you understand what your options are. And that every individual situation is slightly different. And so taking the time to consult and get solid advice is what's really important to the consumer so they can make an informed decision. Well, we'll take some, we'll take some uh, of that advice at length after the news break. We've only got a few seconds left before we have to break for the news. One thing that Haystacks is doing differently is a lot of your detail work up front is online. You're essentially, not completely, but essentially a virtual organization mm-hmm. uh, where you, you go to clients and uh, meetings uh, are, are not difficult to arrange, but it's all about portability and and keeping your overhead down so you can be of maximum benefit to people. Yeah, we use technology to actually enhance the consumer experience. So let the technology do the heavy administrative lifting so that we can focus on ensuring that our customers are very well taken care of. Okay. And we'll have to get you to tell us how all that works. Also got to open up the phone lines uh, during the news break and invite our listeners, many of whom I'm sure are still, many of whom perhaps even in this early part of January have decided to uh, strike a resolution for 2019 and get us either a new property or a first-time property, mm-hmm. and uh, how, to, how to clear some of those hurdles, because there are quite a few along that track. Paul Therrien is with us. Mr. Therrien is the president and CEO of Haystacks Financial. You can find out a lot more about his company online at Haystacks, with an X, haystacksmortgage.ca. We're back after the news. Welcome back to the program. I'm Sterling Fox. Paul Therrien is with me. Mr. Therrien is the president and CEO of Haystacks Financial Services, and you can find him online at Haystacks with an X, mortgage.ca. Let's talk about Haystacks, Paul. You have a veteran of the financial services industry, been around for almost 30 years. How old is the company? Uh, Haystacks, is, we registered Haystacks two years ago. Uh, we officially launched our product to the consumers on January 5th. 
Okay, so it's really brand new. We're shiny and new. So how then do people who are interested in shopping for a mortgage engage with you? How do we connect and become a client and and avail ourselves of your high-tech services? The easiest way is to visit us at haystacksmortgage.ca. And then there are three different options. Uh, You can do apply now. Uh, You can do buy a home or refinance. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you click either one of those buttons, it's going to take you on a visit with our virtual mortgage assistant. Uh, His name is Mortimer Gage. His friends call him Mort. Uh, 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 uh. Okay, well, a little fun goes a long way in a very serious business. Absolutely. Um, So Mort is uh, an artificially intelligent enabled chatbot um, and he's going to ask you the right questions to to determine your mortgage needs what you qualify for Uh, it's a quick process even if you're a slow typer it shouldn't take more than about 10 minutes to go through the entire process with him okay um, at the end of it, Mortimer is going to come back to you and say, you know, congratulations, Sterling, as an example. You qualify for a mortgage with lender A, lender B, and lender C. Within 10 minutes? Yeah. Really? Yeah. So we developed some very unique and new technology that actually doesn't exist. Um, we developed what's what we're calling an active adjudication algorithm for multiple lenders. So we have a multi, multi-lender platform. Um, we've worked very closely with our lender partners. They've provided us with their adjudication guidelines. Okay. We've um, developed this algorithm. We've taken their guidelines, put them into our algorithm. We allow for gray area. Mm-hmm. Um, and but if it's a pretty sort of cut and dried case, you can run this, the information through the algorithm, mm-hmm. and it's going to find multiple lenders to suit that need. Yeah, and the the thing is we pull one credit bureau, so we're not pulling multiple. Um, and the, the technology is actually working through the algorithm as you're completing the application. So we don't wait till you're done. We're actually doing it as you go. Okay. Um, so, you know, at the end of it, it's very quick, and it says, you know, again, you qualify for these three lenders. We recommend this one, but here's two other options. Okay, you. I'm going to take a phone call in just a second. Nigel, Absolutely. hang on for just a second. I wanted to ask you about this, this because you mentioned credit rating. Mm-hmm. And this is important because we've, we've come to learn that if you go out and shop for a mortgage, if you apply for a mortgage with Institute uh, A, then that's going to go on your credit rating as having applied for something. And so if you're shopping for a mortgage and you go to Bank Street and you go into all the banks up and down the street, you can actually do harm to your credit rating simply by being curious. You can. Um, there is in the Beacon algorithm, let's call it, that most that the credit bureaus use, the two big ones, TransUnion and Equifax, Right. Um, they do recognize if you're shopping for a mortgage or a car or whatever and you know within i think it's 30 days or 15 days it will recognize that you're shopping for the one product so it won't affect your credit score as much Um, but they do look at the overall so if you're a credit seeker Mm -hmm. we call it right yeah it can very very dramatically impact your your borrowing power so then if I go to, to, uh, to uh, Haystacks with an X, Haystacks Mortgage, and, I, I, and I'm going to click on uh, Get Refinancing because I'm there already, and uh, it, then there, it, a little box pops up, and then it, it, it's it Start Mortgage Application. Mm-hmm. So uh, once this information, once I start engaging with the platform and, and submitting my information and so on, within 10 minutes, 
there's going to be some point of reference that indicates I am eligible for more than one mortgage. Yeah. Or so, a mortgage with more than one lender. Yeah, assuming you qualify, of right, course, right? right. Um, our technology will never decline anybody. So if you're not a fit for the standards, um, it doesn't mean we can't help you. We will contact you or we'll work with you closely to find the best solution for you. Um, but yeah, it's uh, 10 minutes. Again, it depends on how quickly it takes you to complete the application. But generally speaking, yeah, 15 10, 15 minutes in and around there. I did open up the phone lines at yep. 604-280-9898. Nigel's joining us from Surrey. Thank you for waiting, Nigel. Good afternoon. Hi. Do you do reverse mortgages and equity lines of credit? Yes, absolutely we can. And the uh, chat box can uh, deal with those inquiries? Uh to an extent, reverse mortgages are a little bit different. Um, we're working right now with a company called Home Equity Bank um, mm-hmm. to develop. A They're spe- the chip people, aren't they? The chip people, right. yeah. We want to develop a very specific algorithm for reverse mortgages because they are a, a very different product than your standard mortgage that you would use to buy or refinance. And we want to ensure that the consumers who are engaged with that product are really getting solid advice and that kind of stuff. So, Does that help, Nigel? Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks very very much for the call. Uh, I wanted to just talk a little bit about last year, in 2018, it was said that roughly 50% of all Canadian mortgage holders would have to renew. What's the outlook for 2019? Is it the other 50%'s (laughs) turn? Because it it, it amazed me when I found that out halfway through last year, that half of of all mortgage holders had to go to the bank and and re-up. Yeah. Uh, So is, is is that a typical year then? Um, not necessarily. The real estate market really dictates your renewal periods. So if we have, for example, let's say 2018 is a really, really hot year in real estate in a in a particular area, um, lots of people buying, then, you know, most Canadians use a five-year term, yep. whether that be a fixed or a variable rate mortgage. So that means that at the end of that five-year term, they're going to have to renew. So if you have a really robust real estate year, you know, typically five years later, you're going to have a bunch of people needing to renew. That said, an awful lot of people early renew or they'll refinance prior to their term being up because they want to do renovations right. or consolidate debts. Right. Now, it does, is that part of the service that you offer if, for example, you've decided that in this turbulent um, housing market, you, you, what the heck? We're, 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 we're okay. We're going to stay where we are. But Time to spruce the old place up. Yeah, absolutely. So people would go for a second mortgage, perhaps, uh, to uh, uh, facilitate those renos or or a HELOC, a home equity line of credit. Do you arrange all of those, or is that a lender-only type uh, relationship? No, we can absolutely arrange those. Um, we would, of course, take a look at, is there a benefit to refinancing your first mortgage as opposed to going to a higher uh, rate of interest second, that kind of stuff. But, yeah, it's absolutely something that we can t- we can manage for our customers. Okay. Um, in the uh, last couple of years around Metro Vancouver, not just here in the city either, Paul, but around the Metro Vancouver, the lower mainland, we've seen an absolutely phenomenal uptick in the number of condos going up. There are just enormous thousands of condos being created, and many of whom are coming online either now or throughout the balance of this year. It, there's there's a similar concern in Toronto these days as well. They Have they overbuilt condos in Vancouver, do you think, Paul? Are you concerned that all of a sudden there's going to be, I, can, I can't imagine it, in a city in which, in, a, in an area in 
which housing is so scarce that, you know, any available housing, particularly in, in, in an apartment building, so to speak, would be snapped up in a heartbeat. What, what's, what's your take on the overbuilding of condos? I don't think, in my opinion, I don't believe that we have overbuilt. And the reason why I say that is the the consumer today, you know, look, in the lower mainland in Vancouver, we have very limited land. We're surrounded by ocean and mountains. Right. There's only so much we can build. Uh, Vancouver is a beautiful city. There's lots to do. It's a great place to live, even if it's expensive. A lot of people want to come to Vancouver. Um, we have no more land, so we can't build detached houses the mm-hmm. way we used to. So That's true. we've got to go up. And, you know, condo pricing has continued to escalate where detached housing, we've started to see a decline in that. And I think that's a reflection of we're seeing more and more people living in condominiums. They like the convenience. They like the the ease of not having to worry about, you know, the maintenance costs of a detached house or the upkeep. So do I think they're overbuilding? No, not yet. Okay. Um, if we start to see things like uh, immigration in that dramatically decline, um, then possibly, but you know, I mean, immigration isn't going anywhere. The government's just committed to bringing in a million new new, oh, new sure. immigrants especially over, over this the next corner three years. of Canada, particularly. Of course, we had seventy thousand people move to Vancouver in twenty eighteen, and yeah. there'll be a minimum of thirty thousand. There are at least thirty thousand people who move here every year. Yeah, wanted to go back to this notion of mortgage refinancing. How popular is that these days, Paul? It's very popular. Um, you know, people are refinancing to consolidate debts, um, you know, to do renovations on their home, all of that kind of stuff, or to even lock down, you know, a low mortgage because they're worried that rates are going to go up in the next couple of years. So they want to lock down that lower rate as long as possible. Right. Um, so it is a very common practice. It's important that people are very careful when they refinance, particularly if they're doing debt consolidation. Um, you know, sometimes it can just be a quick solution to, you know, a cash flow problem mm-hmm. or, but you need to make sure that you've got a long-term plan in place. Otherwise, you know, you Otherwise just, you just take the credit cards and go rack up another 25 grand in debt. You get into this nasty cycle and sure. it doesn't help you. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, but it is a fairly common practice. Oh, extremely. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and back to this whole business of, of first time home buyers mm-hmm. and the bank of mom and dad, because there's a lot of that going on. And you pointed out, certainly not just beginning this generation has been going on for thousands of years. But what, if any, are the pitfalls, Paul Therian, of being the bank of mom and dad? legally and morally in terms of your commitments are you on title for example and if so what does that mean yeah i mean anytime and it doesn't matter if you're mom or dad or you know a friend or a brother and sister anytime you're guaranteeing so where you're going on title or you're going on the mortgage anytime that you're guaranteeing a, a, a debt you are liable for that payment in the event that the borrower the principal borrower cannot make their payment correct um, so it's important that if you're going to guarantee a mortgage or you're going to go on title or something like that, it's very important that you actually are aware of those things. Uh, a good broker or ourselves or even a good lender will have that discussion with you. You should get independent legal advice. In terms of you know helping with down payment, as you said, it's been happening for years. It's not a new phenomenon. Sure, of course. Um, I think the big thing now is the amount. You know, whereas, you know, 30 years, 20 years ago, the, you'd help out with 10 or 15 or 20,000. Now Mm -hmm. it's, you know, two, 300,000. Um, 
and that can be a challenge for parents. It can be a strain on the relationship if you're not, you know, you need to be very open and honest. Um, I do have a couple of people that I know that received their inheritance early, uh-huh. right? So it was an early inheritance situation, that kind of thing. Um, I think it really depends on the relationship you have as a family. You know, yeah, is it important to have everything written down? I mean, obviously, if you're going to be on title or you're going to guarantee, the bank is going to insist that you write and sign off on this, that, and the other thing. But what about the terms that you agree with your children to? Well, we're gonna we're gonna do this deal because we want to see you get get going in life. But you know, uh, we hope never to be actually getting that call going. Well, they've defaulted on their mortgage. Guess what? You owe the bank eight hundred thousand dollars. So, how do you deal with that in terms of uh, paper? Yeah, that's that again. That's tough because it really depends on the relationship that you know the parents have with their with their offspring. Right. Um, but you're 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 recommending strongly legal advice if because we're talking in many cases. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. Well, I, I recommend independent legal advice for the guarantor for the parents yeah, if they're yeah. going on title in that because it's very important that we understand when we're signing a document, we have to understand what we're signing and why we're signing it and what are the consequences. So no matter what we do in life, there are always consequences, good and bad. And we want to make sure that we're aware of them and that we're making informed decisions. I'm going to bounce around a little bit uh, in terms of topics because we don't have a lot of time yeah. left. And we touched this uh, uh, during the news break. The home inspection not possible during the insane days of buy this within 15 minutes or someone else is going to buy it no time for a home inspection no time for thought let alone you know contemplation or even a walkthrough thank you very much how what sort of importance do you the mortgage professional place on a home inspection i think a home inspection is critical um you you know we live in a world of buyer beware. So if you buy a home and you haven't had an inspection and you don't know what's wrong with that home, and I can give you a very good example, somebody that I know that bought a home, um, they made it no sub, they made it a subject free offer. Um, so there was no inspection. They moved in and within six months, they had to have a whole bunch of electrical work done because the previous owner had done a bunch of electrical work, wasn't an electrician, uh-huh. it wasn't a code, it was a fire hazard. Sure. It costs them about $20,000. Ouch, okay. So having that inspection protects the buyer. Sure. To insure. And, and the inspection is going to cost, what, two, 300 bucks? Yeah, they're not expensive. Exactly. The challenge is, is that, you know, if you really want that house and you're in a bidding war, people are doing this. It, it gives me a chill and not a positive one when I see that happening because I worry for the people who are buying the, the property, the home. Mortgage professional Paul Therrien with us today, friends, from haystacksmortgage.ca. And I have to keep reminding you because it's, it's, it's an interesting twist. It's a new company. It's a new approach to mortgages. And well, it's a new twist on the name Haystacks, H-A-Y-S-T-A-X mortgage.ca or just haystacks.ca will also get you to the website as well, Paul, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right, Paul Therrien, thank you for coming in. Hope to have the opportunity to speak to you again. It's most informative conversation. It's been great meeting you and putting a face to the voice. (laughs) (laughs) We're back after this. 
And once again, our thanks to Paul Therrien from Haystacks Financial for a very informative visit. Thanks for your calls. Next week, we'll have a return visit from the folks at the BC Securities Commission. And our friend John Carlson from 1% Realty makes his first appearance of this new year. Time now for Duly Noted. And this time, our producer Ben Dooley has a look at a food waste solution from the Okanagan. Thanks, Sterling. 58% of food produced in Canada is either lost or wasted, according to a new report from Second Harvest. And wasted food ends up in our landfills, even though the study finds that about a third of it could be rescued. Others say even more than that could be saved. Food Mesh is a food exchange network. The company connects food producers and retailers with customers and charities who want the less desirable food products that retail stores just throw away. Here's Jessica Regan with Food Mesh. We're seeing evidence of 75% of the food that is um, wasted is actually recoverable and consumable for humans. One of the charities that will soon benefit with a partnership with a food store is the Central Okanagan Salvation Army. Here's Sonia Withers of the Salvation Army. I think the corporate community realized that there is a way of doing it in a safe way. Through the new program, the Sally Ann has been told to expect between 300 and 400 kilograms of food, including fresh produce and meat every day. I'm Ben Julie, and that's Julie Noted. Thanks, Ben. Time for a couple more consumer quickies before we go. The feds are asking Canadians how we like our vodka. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency wants to know whether to redefine vodka and open interprovincial trade for a new group of craft distillers who, well, want to try something new. The current rules haven't changed in a long time and say vodka must be made from either grain or potatoes and be filtered through charcoal. Well, a new generation of small batch distillers is challenging those norms using everything from milk to grapes while others are minimizing filtration. Flouting the legal definition makes it tough for them to sell their vodka across provincial boundaries here in Canada, even though they can easily sell it to the rest of the world by export from online. They say that historically, vodka was made from whatever a local community had left over from the harvest. The United States and Europe changed their definition of vodka a long time ago. So you're ready for a whole new world of vodka? Apparently the feds are. No mention of free samples as they uh, talk about redefining things. And the city has been urging TransLink to improve it for at least 10 years. And now the Lonsdale Key Transit Exchange is finally getting a much-needed facelift. TransLink is all set to begin work on the facelift and will soon award contracts about $8 million worth for the bus loop and passenger hub at the C-Bus entrance. The renovations will include a glass canopy over the passenger hub, along along with planters and bike racks, better bus loops, and the moving of that kiosk used by drivers and transit police to another area, and some new public art. The public will t- uh, pro- the project rather will take about nine months. Some schedules will be adjusted during that time, but the 5,000 bus riders and 18,000 C-bus passengers every day will continue to be served. That should all take place this year. That is Vancouver Consumer for this week, produced by Ben Dooley. Andrew Ferreira is at the controls. I'm Sterling Fox, inviting you to join us next Saturday at 2 for another edition of Vancouver Consumer, right here on 980 CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.